Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Best cover song. That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcasts should have a theme song. Podcasts should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. Hal, can I tell you, I'm very excited about this episode, my friend, because a lot of these I didn't know were covers. You didn't know? You were about to guess as to why I was excited. Why do you think I'm excited? That this topic was suggested very, very early on by our graphic designer, Uri Kelman. No, I didn't know how early it was suggested. It was so long ago, I bet he doesn't even listen anymore because he did his work (laughs) in like a weekend and then just screwed right off. But uh, I'm excited about that. I'm very excited also to have our guest who is a friend of mine. He's a comedian, podcaster, and writer, Mr. Ken Napsok. Hey. Hi, Ken. Hey. Mark, how? Love it. Oh, hey. That was, that was the other reason I was excited was that Ken was here. Sure, sure, sure. I love that you're uniquely qualified for this, Ken, because you were a DJ. You worked as a DJ, yeah? And I still am. Uh, I'm an oldies DJ in Newcastle, Pennsylvania right now. Yeah, I started my radio what? career in the mid, mid-90s. Yeah, I was a rock DJ from about 94 to 98 until I moved to L.A. This is amazing. Newcastle? Wait, I gotta, I need to know yeah. more about this. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, uh, I am a weekend DJ at Hall of Fame Music Radio, America's oldie station, Hal and Mark, America's oldie station. Uh, yeah. So I'm on Saturday mornings there. <laughs> are there songs that are considered oldies now that I would go? That's a contemporary current hit. It's a weird battle because yeah. I'm the youngest DJ on the staff and I'm not young. And so there's a constant like it, 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 this is how this is how they how old they are. They only communicate by a Facebook message thread group. And who they, would do that? <laughs> and there's uh, sometimes the program director will be like, hey, we got to go into like the early 2000s. So there'll be like, wow. uh, you know, a Matchbox 20 song from uh, 1997. And the rest of the DJs are like, nope, nope, nope. That's not an old date. That's not an old date. <laughs> Wow. Well, I mean, it makes sense because when I was growing up, we always used to listen to the oldie station and it was, this would have been the late eighties and we're hearing songs from the mid to late sixties on the oldie station. So yeah, something from 2000 makes perfect sense now. Look, I, uh, I always joke, but it's 100% true. I still look at bands like Garbage, No Doubt, Foo Fighters as new bands that are going to make it one day. Like (laughs) it's still like, Oh, Dave Grohl's got a new band. Good for him. These kids at cold play, they're pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, we are here to talk about music today. What better guest to have on to talk about music? And we're going to dive into some cover tunes. We're going to dive into some contemporary cover songs that are of very old music, very old oldies, uh, what would be considered by your uh, Facebook Messenger thread to be oldies. Some of them were recorded and released just mere months or even a year after the original was released and was kind of stepped up and created a version of it that ended up being more iconic than the original. There's a couple of those in here. Hal, you introduced a fun way to do this, which is just round robin style, yeah? Yeah, yeah. But we have a more exhaustive list than you will hear mm-hmm. today. And I'm sure if you looked at it, you'd say, this is missing. That's missing. Well, yeah, that's life. Things yeah. go missing sometimes. <laughs> just tell my socks. But I Your think- Your socks are here, each, by the way, Hal. We, 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 oh, thank mm-hmm. goodness. 
<laughs> what? I can't believe they walked all the way there. What we're going to do is take turns going around and throwing out songs that we think are contenders. I mm. want to preface this. You're going to go first, Ken, because you are our guest. Mm. That one thing I looked for, because I'm a big Buck Owens and the Buckaroos fans, is, you know, at that time in country music, somebody would record a song somebody else had written, and then everybody would record it and turn it into a hit. So I mm. looked for stuff like that with him, but I started and stopped with Act Naturally, which he was the first one to record and release. So I was like, oh, this mm. is going to be, this is way too much work. And it, anything he puts out is not going to win anyway, because I think mm. there are other heavy hitters on this list. Yeah. And the- that's the end of our show. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I completely shut it down. Wait, I'm this looking here for a Buck ended. Owens. You put a Buck Owens. There's a Buck No, Owens? I didn't. I didn't put it on because oh. I was like, oh, he was the first one to record Act Naturally, which he did not write. But that was right. sort of how it was in Nashville. You would have song. And, and in a lot of cases, you have songwriters that would go around trying to sell their songs to people. And Buck Owens was a very shrewd businessman. And I think Don mm. Rich might have brought it to him. And he was like, all right, let's do it. Well, okay. And then they he had a huge hit. But uh, Ken, we'll put yeah. Buck Owens back in, in yeah. his nudie suit in okay. in, uh, in the vault for another time. Sure. What do you want to start us off with? Well, you know, the, this is such an important topic, best, right? And yes, there's a lot of personal things. There's there's some on this list of, that are alt choices that we might just all blurt out, but some of them are really tied to a personal point of view, perspective, emotion. So I tried to take it from a little bit of a historian point of view, but I still wanted to love the songs in a special way in my own heart. So I'm going to start with this one here. It's a contender, and I think it helped define an era of music while also an artist. And it is What's So Funny About Peace, Love, and Understanding, Elvis Costello and the Attractions, which was a cover of Nick Lowe's song. Nick Lowe's version is spectacular as well. Big Nick Lowe fan. But uh, they worked together, uh, you know, kind of co-produced albums, I believe. I can't remember all those details. But Elvis took this song, made it his own, and I think was part of the songs that just kind of made him and made that new wave era. to so the core of that new wave yeah. Oh, yeah. It's an amazing song. It's beautiful. I love his version of it. It's one of those songs that the chord progression in that song builds in such a fun way that it just becomes an anthemic party when that's going. And the sentiment of the lyrics done in a party song is mm-hmm. really fun to me. Yeah, yeah. Especially Elvis's version is is got that kind of oomph to it. Uh, Nicolo's uh, got a couple versions out there. There's one that's like a real slow, almost somber like, right. hey, I'm seriously asking, what's so funny about this type of vibe? And and for me, coming to you know, new wave uh, is around that punk time, which had a different kind of energy, but maybe mm-hmm. the results were the same, or at least the goals were the same. So uh, that's part of the reason I love it as well. Yeah, it's such a great track. I listen to a lot of these. I'm mm-hmm. proud of myself as someone who never remembers lyrics, and right. and as I grow older, can't remember names of people. I'm finally getting. To my grandmother who called Sleepless in Seattle, Lonely in St. Louis one time. <laughs> but Amazing. I, I'd heard so many of these and, and a few of them I, I sort of jumped back in on. I, I of course had heard Elvis Costello's uh, version of what's so funny about peace, love and understanding to the point that I didn't realize it was a cover. And I think mm-hmm. uh, that's going to be a thread that runs through a lot of these is yeah, yeah. the cover will become the definitive version of yeah. the song. And that's maybe that's what makes it. So great, not only as a song, but that it helps to launch an artist who's a major part of a movement. I'll go next. I'm going to sort of stick in that weird, like, punk new wave kind of vein. And this, I think, is a dark horse contender. I believe that the originator of this song is on record saying that the cover is superior. And the artist I'm talking about is Mick Jagger. And the cover is Devo's version of Satisfaction, which is... So far afield from the original, it's so uniquely like Mark Mothersbaugh, Devo sounding, and they performed it live on SNL. You can actually find 
a live performance of it where they're wearing their the crazy deed. They're wearing like these yellow, like hazmat radioactive material suits. It's just, it's so good and so many weird things happening at once and it builds. And it's just, I love that song, every little piece of it. And I think it's way better than the original, which is one of the greatest rock and roll songs of all time. I think it's great. I'm not sold on it being better than the original because it doesn't mm-hmm. have that Keith Richards guitar lick to it. Mm-hmm. But I do love that version. And I, have you, uh, did you see the story? There's a great New Yorker article about that version of the song. And when they first played it for Mick Jagger in 1978, Mark Mothersbaugh is describing it. Mick Jagger is sitting there in velour pants, drinking a glass of red wine, <laughs> listening to a tape of this song, just looking at the floor. And as the song finished, he waited a good 30 seconds before he stood up, did his little Mick Jagger dance and said, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Which is so, such a, that 30 seconds. Can you imagine how terrifying if you're sitting in front of you're these kids from Ohio and your idols are in front of you or these mu- yeah, music yeah. idols are in front of you and uh, you've got to wait that 30 seconds. I wonder if it was just him messing with them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mixed cheeky. He's cheeky. He's cheeky. Uh, I, look, it, it's a dark horse contender for me too. How I, I don't, I don't know. Well, first of all, you know, do you need to put it up against original? Is is that the world we want to live in? Can I enjoy both? Yeah. Yes. But I, you know, I, I saw the Stones at SoFi. Is Devo's version going to fill SoFi Stadium? Maybe not. But yeah. it is one of the more memorable covers because you think of it, even just in passing, you're like, well, that's kind of. That's like a joke song, right? And you listen to it. I listen to it today. No, it is completely their heart and soul on that yeah. take of it. And that's why I think it stands the test of time. It's not a novelty. It is their version of the song. And I think that's why That's why I think it belongs on this list. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a really pure version of art, too. If their job mm-hmm. was to deconstruct, they, they, they said, we're going to take these iconic lyrics mm-hmm. uh, about, you know, overindulgence and uh, consumerism and then just, you know, do our thing with it. I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, all right. I want to throw out one, another one that was came just on the heels of the original, uh, 1965. The original version was recorded by Otis Redding, but two years later in 1967, Aretha Franklin added backup singers and, uh, and spelling and everything that turned respect into her <laughs> signature tune. I think that is a, that's a perfect example to me of taking something, making it your own, and then just absolutely making a juggernaut out of it. Um, and an anthem for multiple generations of people. It's, it's a great choice. It was, it was on my list as well. And I, I have to be honest how I, how I came to that choice. I, I, I love the song and I love the Queen of Soul and that all makes a lot of sense, but I, I had, had my list and was going to email you all. Hey, here's what I'm working with. And I was like, you know, let me just do one of those Google searches of best cover songs. And this popped up. I was like, how could I not think of that nor include that? Maybe the fact that this cover might be unknown to, to the casual fan. That's totally fine. That happens all the time. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It it, it built an empire. <laughs> she, yeah. She's the queen. This is her empire. And it's built on this song. And that that's why it's it's got to be up there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Before we jump into a second round, let's talk a little bit because you mentioned one possible criteria being how different or similar it is from the original or its relationship to the original Mm. version. What do we think is going to make the best cover song? What are the important elements for that? I think a big piece of it that Ken keeps coming back to is you can take a great song 
one of the greatest songs ever in the case of Satisfaction or just a great Otis Redding song in Respect and then Mm -hmm. make it yours in a way that's not even about it sounding different. It's like Mm -hmm. she just owns that song. I I don't think of Otis Redding when I think of Respect. And I think mm -hmm. of Otis Redding all the time. I think of when I'm making sandwiches. I think of him when I'm showering, (laughs) which is just because I like music. I'm singing, you perverts. Yeah, <laughs> And uh, I think that it's a piece of it, though, is what these songs are going to have in common is the artist putting a stamp on it that makes it feel like they were the ones who created the song. That's what makes a great cover song. Yeah, yeah I, I think there's something to the the idea. You know, it's easy to poke fun. Especially, you know, I love music. I've been in the radio business off and on for the last 25 years. But like, I don't want to be a gatekeeper, right? I want to be a snob about it. But there's so many times you hear a song and you're like. You have to sheepishly, sheepishly in your quiet shadows of your own house, be like, I didn't know that was a cover. I've been enjoying yep. that version for you. But I think that comes from what you're describing. There's a couple of my lists, whether I get to them or not, there might be all choices where it's like, yeah, the, the original is a Hall of Famer. But you almost don't even think of that when you think of this other version. I think that's that's that magic quality. Amen. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, now that it's such a I, that feels like such a singular and correct way to pick the greatest of all time. So this job is going to be easy today. Thanks, Ken. <laughs> we need you here all the time to make the easy choices. Uh, so let's jump in. What's your next? Uh, what's the next one on your list? All right. All right. I have some. I don't know. All right. I'm going to go a little wild card. OK. Ooh, I, almost, I like I almost, a wild card. I have. The T-shirt. I should have worn. I know this is not a video podcast, but I have a T-shirt <laughs> commemorating this song, and I legitimately think this is a wonderful artist with 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 a great catalog of music that I actually would beg people to listen to more because this song I'm about to name became so big in 1997 that it defines her for better or worse, and that is Natalie Imbruglia's version of "Torn." Which there's a lot of versions out there. It was written, uh, not, uh, I think by 1991. I'm looking up some research just so I'm not completely dumb on the internet. Uh, but, uh, there was a band that released the song, uh, called Edna Swap in 1996. And it's a gothic slow ballad version of the song, which is amazing Ooh. in its own right. But Natalie Imbruglia comes along. She's a, you know, a soap actor. The neighbors doing this pop career thing. It's easy to throw that into a bucket of don't pay attention to, but it's one of the more catchier songs. It's still going strong. She's still releasing music. She's still on stage. Now younger generation of artists are singing the song with her on stage, some bigger names. And I, I really, Left of the Middle is a great album. It's got some great tunes on it. And I want this to be a gateway, but I just think it's, it emerged from uh that's how it, it, you're either doing aretha franklin stuff where you're like that's mine i'm the queen of soul i'm gonna make it bigger devo or it's like hey i i do need a hit i am trying to get my career going what's out there that i can put my stamp on and make it my own forever so it's a wild card it's natalie Imbruglia's torn i have no problem with that song whatsoever i'm smiling at just thinking about that song just playing in my head right now <laughs> and it's another one that i didn't know was a cover yeah i only know natalie Imbruglia's version of it it was. Yeah. I, I think for people who weren't alive when the classic rock of today was playing contemporarily, <laughs> it's hard to quantify for those people how big of a hit it was. Oh and yeah, how much of an earworm it is in the best possible way. Like yeah. you, as soon as you said, I knew I had like a sense of where you were going, and I was really <laughs> happy to hear you say it because I think it's a fantastic song yeah. and uh, it's cool. I think it's just as cool to have these songs that were recorded by someone who's maybe not as well known. Mm-hmm. But obviously they've written a great song. Like Billy Joel has said, his great songs have been played as classical songs as well. That's how he knows yeah. when he's written a good yeah. song. So uh, songs that translate across genre are really yeah. special. I have another one. I'm not going to put it on the finalist list. But I think that Alien Ant Farm's version of Smooth Criminal is mm. such a fun take on it 
because yeah. it gives it this energy. And it, when you hear it, just as another example, when you hear it, you go like, oh, it was written for this genre, clearly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like they just speed it up and put these chunky guitars on it. And yeah. it sounds like it was made to be that way. And the Michael Jackson version is fantastic, but yeah. I love that there are, that we have this like multiverse of music that exists at the yeah. same time. We can access all of it. Yeah. No, um, and, and Airworm indeed. That video is everywhere. And yeah, one of the big things for me is to not even, don't gatekeep yourself from great mm-hmm. music. Uh, it's so easy just to like, ah, uh, uh, you know, Australian pixie cut singing a pot. Ah, it's not for me. And maybe the song doesn't have to change your life, but you know, get your feet to tapping. Yeah. Enjoy music. Yes. It's so like from my era in high school and graduate, like that was my coming of age time too. So personally, I just love that. I realize that we're doing this and finding the objective winner, but subjectively, I just adore that song. Hal, what you got next? It connects us to people. All right. Here's one where I think the <laughs> what's crazy is this could have been a cover by Elvis Presley, but the writer of that song didn't want to give up half of the publishing. So mm. what does she do? She holds on to it. It becomes one of her signature songs. And then they are recording the soundtrack to The Bodyguard, and they need a song. Whitney Houston comes along and says, I'd like to cover I Will Always Love You. And Dolly goes, okay, and then has been collecting Made her so much money, <laughs> yeah. so much money. And we've talked about Dolly before, and this song came up. It's a great personal song for her, but the version by Whitney Houston is so powerful that when mm-hmm. people – nobody covers – nobody covers the Dolly version. Mm-hmm. They all – it's it's become this, like, diva number, and you have to do the runs and show – and have this huge belting moment. And that's what the song has become, and not from – like, the Dolly version is so – personal and is a lot smaller and softer because it is a goodbye to Porter Wagner. But this version is just an all out show stopping tune. And it would be weird to me if it wasn't in the final circle. Yeah. Yeah. It's also one that I think this is the first one so far that for me, I'm looking at these, I guess besides not, no satisfaction would be this as well, but where the original version and the new version, both of them, I think, are equally lauded and equally deserve the accolades that they get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I love and it was I only I heard Whitney's version first, Yep, which is weird Dang. because I grew up in East Tennessee. I you figured I would have heard Dolly's version of everything <laughs> first, including the ABC song. But I heard Whitney's first and then went back and was like, that's a Dolly Parton song. And it's just it's just lovely. Both versions. Yeah, I, there's nothing wrong with this song. I'm on the team. We're going to have trouble deleting these uh, yeah, yeah. later. Yeah, yeah. First of all, this highlights Dolly as a songwriter. I've been out to East Tennessee, spent a lot of time in Johnson City, Tennessee. Made the yeah. trip four hours towards Sevierville. Is that Sevierville? Pigeon Forge? All Sevierville, that Pigeon Forge. Yeah, there's a great Bubba Gump shrimp out there. Uh, and just, <laughs> you, you should try the around. Pancake House. Uh, yeah, we went to the, went to the uh, aquarium across the street. Um, and you could, you know, the, the influence of Dolly is everywhere. So this, this pick with Whitney's version highlights the great songwriter and performer and legend that Dolly is while also highlighting just a once in a generation talent that talk about, Hey, was everywhere, especially that time, the early nineties singing the national anthem pre-recorded or not. I don't care. That was amazing. This, the song and that, and she's doing it in a movie. She's going into all the quadrants as an entertainer. Yeah. This song stands the test of time for a reason. Talk about someone making it their own. This is perhaps the, the ultimate example of that in some ways. Yeah. And the song definitely, uh, Whitney's version definitely stands the test of time better than Kevin Costner's haircut did from that movie. <laughs> I think about <laughs> that all the time. How that haircut. <laughs> that was something else. That was like the Clooney era of that haircut. Yes, like came yes, a little bit yeah. later. 
yeah. It was yeah. like, the, let's all look like I, Claudius. What if we did that in real life unironically? Why don't yeah. we do it? Did either like, you have hey, uh, you had that Kevin, haircut, Mark? Didn't you have that haircut a little I bit? I did have that haircut. Luckily, I went to a person who was more school of Clooney than school of Costner. Because yeah. I think school of Costner was the kid from Sweeney Todd that he hands the razor to at the end of the play and is just like, go nuts. That's what it looked uh, like they did the Costner's hair in that. Yeah, I, I had the Adam Rich cut in the late 70s and the early 80s. And then oh, yeah. in the 90s, I had hair down. I started my radio career with hair down to my, my belt line. And then I, I'm a big Oasis fan. So I literally walked in with an Oasis album, went to my hairstylist and said this and got the Oasis bowl cut. But it ended up more like the Costner cut. So <laughs> painful thing. Uh, oh. I had long hair my freshman year. I had bangs down to like my chin. Yeah, you did. And, uh, there was a girl I had a crush on and she was like, let me, I want to cut your bangs. And I was like, okay, we were at school. This is after school. We're all hanging out, a small group of us. She gets children's safety scissors. Oh dear. And cuts my bangs. No. But in cutting the bangs, the rest of my hair is still long. So effectively now I have a mullet. And I will tell you, if any of you out there don't have experience having your hair cut with children's safety scissors, it is intensely painful, but also yeah. it takes a long time. Yeah. Gosh. Like a slow murder happening to yeah. your hairline. Yeah. But and then yet, all of a sudden. Yet you took the cut, Hal. You turned her and you said, and I, I <laughs> yeah. will always love you. Yeah. I hit all the notes there. That's right. Yeah. That and then we dated for zero days, zero minutes. <laughs> and I had that haircut in science class to go like, nope. And it was an experiment. They all yeah. took a look at it. I like a Billy Ray Cyrus impersonator. <laughs> you should have come down to East Tennessee. I know I would have been a big hit there. Mark, what's your next pick? My next pick is also a song that was originally written by another megastar songwriter, but then became the breakthrough hit for the artist that recorded it and gave it absolutely her own stamp and made a heartbreaking anthem that will still rip your heart out today especially after her recent passing and that is of course nothing compares to you written by prince for his band the family in 1985 but made most famous by Sinead o'connor that song is oh, it's perfect i think it's a perfect song yeah yeah that version it, of it is perfect yeah and talk about someone you know who made, we keep saying, Hey, they made it their own. She absolutely yeah. does. But then, you know, everything that came with it and it came after, I'm a big fan of Sinead, despite the tragedies and, and, uh, all that stuff. She, she persevered as best she could to, to make some beautiful music that was so artistic, yeah. so herself. And, and that's, you know, again, that was high school for me, early high school. And like, mm-hmm. I, you just, I just see that video and I just, I can smell the high school lockers. I can, I yeah. goes back everything about it and, and talk about, it, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's a cover for sure, but it's like, I don't, it, it, I didn't know that for a few years after yeah. that kind of information wasn't out there, you know? I didn't know it. And then I went, wait a minute. Of course it's a Prince song. It's not T O space Y O U. <laughs> it's number two letter U. Yeah. Of course mm-hmm. it's a Prince song. It's so beautiful. It's so haunting. And again, yes. like it's her mm-hmm. song. It is yeah. forever be tied to her in the best possible way. I think yeah. part of the reason for that is the video. Mm-hmm. Where the video is just that stark shot of her. And it's just, I'm an artist. Here's who I am. This is right on me. Yeah. God, remember videos? Yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. It's weird to think of that time. Yeah. The video yeah. really helped it out, but yeah. it did. I, yeah. it's just the sound of it. Like, it's just, that's the part for me that I can't forget. I do remember the video, but the song mm-hmm. sort of sits with me 
It just always kind of lives in the back of your head. It's always back there somewhere. Yeah. yeah my final big note on it is, is it's a, it's a angelic song in a way, right? It, it's, a, it's so spiritual and it's sound and it's vibe. But yet when you slow down and listen to the lyrics, it's just someone in pain who's trying to take joy in the fact that they can go to a fancy restaurant by themselves. So it's so earthbound. So it, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's caught between the heavens. And that's one of the things I just love about that oh, song. Amen. It's fantastic. I Let's love do that. one more round before we go to our break. That sounds great. Right. So, how many up. choices do I have overall left? I need you, have, you have three more. So this okay. will be. We're gonna do this, then we'll do two more rounds after the break. All right. I, I feel like uh, I'm on the NFL draft board. I don't want to trade any picks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I was gonna, I'm gonna go to man. It's it's um it's another wild card one. I admit that, but I've got some maybe some bigger choices. But I, it, it keeps going to what we were talking about. And yes, I'm a, I'm a mid '90s rock DJ, so this was played a lot. Uh, and it is Cake and their version of "I Will Survive." <laughs> Talk about taking a song from another era, another style, and taking it and turning it yours, adding it a, a very wonderfully uh, well placed f word and f bomb just dropped. Yeah, and, and Cake is is a band that I I think and I hope more people know than I I, I want to you know uh, say, but uh, for those who are fans of Cake, this is just this is quintessential Cake, and they got a lot of other great songs. But this one, I remember playing it, and it's just. It was so the mid nineties to me and not in the cheesy way, but just so like, this is what we were doing, man. We're looking yeah. at the past. We got our influences, but we're making it our own. We're Gen X, baby. And we're coming up. And, and this is, <laughs> this was part of that for me. And it's, I still listen to it on my personal playlist. It's so cake. Yes. The song yes, is yeah. so their style of music. I have to be honest about this one. There is a thing that drives me nuts about cake's version of I will survive. And it's that. It's almost as if they recorded the song and then they took the vocal track and they moved it back half a beat. Yeah. Yes. I know. You know what I mean? Yes. His yes. vocal, his singing on that is yeah. it's, it's almost like an eighth note behind where the melody would be if he was singing straight through in the song. And I realize it is an artistic choice. It mm -hmm. is a bonkers artistic choice to me that gives it that sort of that mm -hmm. very cake feel of like, we're just, we're not going to be. All four tires are not going to be on the road right now. You're going to be wobbling and there's yeah. there's something's going to be a little wonky about this car, but it's going to get you to the finish line. It forces you to pay attention when stuff is like a little off. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, you, it's, it's very engaging. Can that freeze? It... Okay. Okay. Uh, you were frozen for a second. I thought we oh, lost you. Oh, we oh lost no, you. no. You know, because I, I was, I'm getting a note that my internet connection is unstable only because I'm uh, also uh, looking up cake lyrics as I uh, record. No, Just yeah, but no, Mark, Mark, I don't think you're wrong at all. I think this is, you're pointing out some facts and it's the scar on that car that you didn't want to give up, the dented yeah. <laughs> hubcap that you're like, yeah. <laughs> It doesn't, it doesn't feel good, but I love it. And oh, yeah, but it's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's John got McCree, memories. Uh, exactly. Yeah. That, it's that, ah, first I was afraid. It just, it just yeah. moves him off. Like you said. Yeah. That's really good. It's really fun. <laughs> By the way, I just, I keep seeing cars. I don't know if this is a thing that is just getting bigger and bigger now, or it's just because I have dents in my car that I need to get rid of, but I'm seeing more and more of the, like a wily e. coyote smashed into or the right, big right. band-aid or the decal version of I don't have the money to fix this dent. Mm, mm, My yeah. favorite one I saw was uh somebody had the family dog bursting through a <laughs> ripped part of their car yesterday. I saw that and <laughs> it made me smile. Fantastic. Love that. All right. What do you got, Hal? 
All right, I, I need a ruling before I I got a couple ways to go, but this is one I kind of mm. want to put in there. Mm-hmm. If part of the cover of a song is includes the original artist, is that still a cover? If they're like featured yeah. on it, <laughs> I know where you're going with this. Uh, I, All right, I, yeah, I would say so. Okay, so the original version of the song is fine. It's got a great classic guitar riff, but the band had sort of faded into 80s obscurity after being big in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And then along comes what is new and fresh at the time, which is rap. And Run DMC says, we're going to do Walk This Way, but we want you to do it with us. So mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. not only is the video, again, again yeah. in the age of MTV, such a classic video with all of them involved, but you could argue, and I think strongly argue, that the Run DMC version of Walk This Way revived, I don't know how much of modern, um, Aerosmith we get if they hadn't been revived in 1984 by that mm-hmm. version of the song. So I think it's notable for that reason because they went on to do, I think, some of their best work yeah. later on, Easy, even yeah. though I, I prefer their early stuff, but whatever flavor of them you like, if you like everything from the early nineties, from like permanent vacation, which was 88, and then mm-hmm. Pump was 91, like that stuff. I don't know if those are as big or we even get them without Walk This Way. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. I think music history will record that is accurate. How that, that, uh, uh, I, I don't want to say they were gone. They had a lot of personal issues going on, a lot of struggles, a lot of struggles that they've still carried on throughout their career, but they essentially became bigger than they ever were later on with some of the stuff you're talking about. And, you know, I remember racing home to hopefully catch one of the videos to, you know, the, the, the ongoing adventures of Alicia Silverstone on their trilogy of videos. It was, they were everywhere. They were the biggest band of the world at that time, along with some of the other, uh, top bands of that time period. But I think it does trace back to this. Uh, and it, and it's, important for them but i think it's equally important for run dmc establishing the heart of rap right which was so many people ready to toss it aside not understanding or respecting the cultural origins and meanings of of that music and where it came from it's so easy to just ah like i I always say i was raised with a rap is crap type of attitude and wow that's Mm -hmm. a heavy-handed statement that comes with a lot of baggage that wasn't opened up in front of me as a kid and so here comes this uh and i'm not just saying they needed aerosmith and aerosmith See to them, and this was a an actual important cultural team up <laughs> to 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 yeah, connect the yeah. genres of music, and for MTV too, for the video of it, for this mm-hmm. to be this is sort of like hip hop literally bursting through yeah. onto MTV when they and literally tearing down the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it is funny. I, I I don't know if I think of it as a cover. I think of it as a remake. But I guess that's what a cover is. But with yeah. New art. I like, I, it's a perfect, it's, it's a perfect version of that song. And when it that scratch like- kicks in at the beginning. <laughs> right. Come on, Jim. Well, I, I think, um, the reason why I think of it as a cover is I think it's like with Aerosmith mm-hmm. and they're really sampling. They didn't need, they don't really need Aerosmith to, they could have done a version of it without Aerosmith. I agree. Yeah. The crossover of it is so culturally important, especially exposing, let's mm-hmm. be honest, like, white people who are yeah. who are a lot more biased because that's mm-hmm. urban music or that came mm-hmm. out of New York and it's very specific to this yep. group of people. There were some I cousins who were way into rap like separately from that, but that was more rare. And so for them to help break rap through and turn mm-hmm. people onto it so they could go back and then come forward. And I mean, that's a genre of music that's been so rich and changed so much over the years. There's so many different flavors, which is amazing. But I think that that is like this huge cultural inflection point in music. Yeah. 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 Mm. 
I'm going to throw out for my next one uh, another example of someone really, I think, taking it and making it their own and doing it in two different ways within the same song, I think, is a lot of fun. And that is what was originally Creedence Clearwater Revival's Proud Mary that became Tina Turner's Proud Mary, which she does in two genres. She does mm-hmm. it as a slow jam for the length of an entire song. And you're like... Oh wow, Tina Turner is slow jamming, uh, slow jamming Creedence Clearwater Revival. And then those horns kick in and you're like, Oh no, she is bringing the funk to Creedence Clearwater Revival and basically covering the same song twice in one cover song. And her version of Proud Mary is the, I think the definitive version. CCR's version is it's slow and it's plodding and it's cool and it's got that kind of get into the groove and find the hook that a lot of CCR songs have. But Tina Turner just blew the roof off of that song. And, um, yeah. And it, and it again, much in the same way that Aretha Franklin made respect mm-hmm. an anthem for herself. Tina Turner made proud Mary an anthem for herself. Here, here. And, and I think at one point growing up, uh, listening to oldies music, which was how I got into music. Uh, and my parents were very, you know, restrictive during the satanic panic of the eighties. So I didn't, wasn't allowed <laughs> to listen to the Satan's poems, uh, yeah. rock and roll. Uh, but oldies music was how I kind of got it in the back door. And I actually think at one point I, I was like, man, I love that CCR cover of, uh, proud Mary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but this is the version. It's amazing. Um, it's so it's so hard in so many ways and, and just a, a powerful thing. I saw this recently performed at a, a drag show for a friend's birthday Ooh, party. And perfect. you want to talk about an entire venue just getting to their feet and feeling the vibe of this. And it, it was it was all done to, to Tina's version. Oh, yeah. 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 It does. It does go from like this, like down home kind of mm-hmm. swamp rock. Like we're going down the swamp <laughs> in a fan boat. Yeah. Some the fan just died, so we're using oars. <laughs> like it's real slow. And then which is fine. Is that it's a great. lyric? It's, yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. I probably didn't hear it. Because, you know, the way John Fogg was like, Why am beyond yeah. like you know, that's what he's saying. But the, the yeah, Tina Turner mm. made it a showstopper. It, they're so different. To me, they're almost two. They, again, yeah. this multiverse yeah. of music, they're so separate from one another. All I, three I songs are separate from each other. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They are the first like, half of the song. Yeah. I like the fact that I don't have to pick, just like with satisfaction, in order <laughs> yeah. to pick between these, but it is mm-hmm. a phenomenal cover. And, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to come back after the break. We're going to hit you with two more choices each, and then we're going to start whittling down this list. And we may do it one at a time. We may all agree at once. You don't know. That's the mystery of We yeah. Got This with Mark and Hal. And we'll be right back. Hi, uh, this is Lori Kilmartin. And I'm Jackie Cation. And we have a podcast called The Jackie and Lori Show on Max Fun. And it's very exciting because what do we talk about? Comedy. Stand-up comedy. We both do stand-up comedy and have since the dawn of well, Christ. Well, Jackie. Is that offensive? It is offensive to me because you've aged me. <laughs> Uh, we started in the late 80s, and we're still here. You can't kill us. So go to the Jackie and Lori Show on Max Fun and listen to that. The Jackie and Lori Show. New episodes Monday, only on MaximumFun.org. Greatest Trek is the podcast for all your modern Star Trek needs. It's funny, informative, and now it's also timely. That's because every Friday, right after the release of a new episode of Strange New Worlds, Picard, Lower Decks, Discovery, or Prodigy, we bring you a review of that episode. 
There's some great new Star Trek coming up, and we're going to cover all of it. You'll like our show because we're both former video producers, so we bring a lot of insight into the production and filmmaking aspects to these episodes. And we also have a very refined sense of humor, so we make lots of delightful fart jokes along the way. So come see why Greatest Trek is one of the most popular television recap podcasts on all of the internet. Subscribe to Greatest Trek at MaximumFun.org or in the podcast app you're using right now. All right, we are back. Rounds four and five coming up. Ken, what do you got for us? Ah, man, this is already getting hard because I'm already thinking of what I'm going to have to cut. All right. All right. I'm leaving the the big one for uh, the the last round here, but I'm going to go with um, I got some choice. I got a legend. I got a. am going to confess something. This is this is an exclusive to your podcast here right now. Ooh, I didn't know this was a cover till I was researching this episode. And it's an artist that I love. It's a song that I loved and was there for the video. Talk about videos is classic. It's from 1995 and it is Bjork's version of It's Oh So Quiet. Oh, I love originally, it. I didn't know it was a cover either. Who was it originally by? Betty Hutton in 1951. And I just yeah. made sure I listened to it and it's, it's, it's the song. I'm like, Hey, yeah, yeah. there it is. That's the song. Uh, you know, back there, back then when I was on the air, the internet was new and we didn't, we didn't really have a research. It was passed down, right? You, yeah. if you maybe would heard Kurt Loder say it's a cover. I didn't, so I never, I never knew it was a cover. <laughs> so I'm confessing my rock and roll ignorance to y'all here. But once I saw that on the list, I was like, that's amazing. Cause this is an artist I love. This is a, a memorable song. This was, uh, after her kind of debut kind of stuff and, and coming out of, um, uh, you know, when she went solo, uh, and, and I, I, uh, I just absolutely love it. And it's just an artist at their peak at this point in their career. This is, uh, I, I think part just prior to the swan dress around that time. Uh, yeah. I'm a big fan of, of, of Lady Gaga and, and that kind of art that, that's not just the music, but who you are, who your persona is. You, you've got a narrative about, about your, just your existence that you're trying to get out there. And, and Bjork was that in the mid nineties and it's, it's still going strong, by the way. And so it is. I just love the song. It's so memorable. It's so catchy. It's so fun to take in. And, uh, well, there you go. I saw that and went, well, I have to include that and must confess my ignorance. It's now the original version is the original version the with the Betty Hutton version is it the same orchestration to it or similar orchestration some some male vocals come in prominently at the end uh, almost mm. make it a, a, a sing you know call and answer type of vibe but from the 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 sh- sh- everything is the same but in saying that yeah Bjork makes it like oh I'm going to do that but it's going to be me Anything in her voice, which her yeah. voice is the thing that makes her so iconic aside from her yep. fashion and art about, you know, all those other yeah, and, elements of her yeah. art. But she's got that sort of like ethereal mm. quality to her. That's yeah. Especially because yeah. she, she, you know, at the time, uh, you know, I think there was a little bit more. Some of her earlier stuff was, was again, definitely artsy, but I don't, you know, I don't want to put any kind of label on it. it was, at times yeah. it was somber, a little dark, layered in kind of a, uh, introspective way. And here she is. She's doing a singing and dance number, which now, of course, makes yeah. perfect sense. I'm, I'm like, want to go back and slap myself upside the head. Like, how could you not figure that out? It's from the fifties. It's got that vibe. It's a show tune. And, uh, that's why it's, uh, always in, in, burned in my brain. Can I tell you my favorite experience I ever had with that song? Yeah. Smash Room. Have you guys ever done a Smash Room? No. <laughs> no, but I'm so oh, it was so fun. Yeah, because that's when you take your breather is during the slow parts. <laughs> and then you take the crowbar to the printer during the big brassy sections. Gotta do that. <laughs> that was that's really fun. No. It was really fun. That's, Were you about to say how? Sorry, I interrupted. 
I was going to say that what I love about that song is going off like the image that Bjork had at that time, like we are going down mm-hmm. the cave. And then she does this huge 19, this big band yeah. number. And it feels like at the time feels like it's so out of left field. And yet she yeah. fits into it instead mm-hmm. of taking it and mm-hmm. turning it into something else. Like she's like, now I'm going to do this. And she's yeah. outstanding. Standing, like it's so outstanding. It's not a compromise of who she is at all or right. who she was at that time, but it is like just that what feels like a huge stretch away. Like now I'm going to show you more. Here's yeah. More. Yeah. Yeah. One of my final thoughts on that is that, you know, she, she emerges from the sugar cubes, which is a great, a lot of, there's some cool hits there. We used to play those, the old radio station. Then, then we kind of couldn't play the other stuff. It was a little bit of a different genre. Unfortunately, radio at mm-hmm. times is too parted out, but, but that song was like, you, you know, when an artist is like, well, it's their second or third album looks like they're changing their style to reach a larger audience. And then you kind of, this, the music's kind of bland. I don't think she did that, but it had that vibe, right? It had like, all right, you think I'm, you think I'm the Icelandic pixie punk in the corner. I'm going to, I'm going to do something completely different, but it's going to be come off as mainstream, but in my way, on my terms. And I think you're right to touch upon that. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. All right, Hal, you're up. Oh man. I kind of want to veer here off of this list. (laughs) It's dangerous. Yeah. Mark, you, you might remember when we talked about this initially, I said, what if we did best cover song? What was your answer to that? Uh, I don't remember. Your answer was it's it's Elvis's early catalog. Oh so yeah, I kind of feel like I want to take <laughs> one of his covers. That's right. It's everything Elvis put his name everything. on. <laughs> I mean, I, one of the things I legitimately <laughs> almost put on this list was his version of "Glory, Glory, Hallelujah" because I think it's so mm. powerful. Oh yeah, like, well, it's, it's three. So, that's three songs. It's the American yes, it's trilogy. Three song. Yeah, it's the American yeah, trilogy, yeah. but just that portion of it in particular. Because he does Oh Beautiful for Spacious. He does America the Beautiful yeah. in there, doesn't he? That's part of it mm-hmm. as well. It's uh, Battle Hymn of the Republic, Dixieland, yes. and then... Glory, Glory, Hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, that ver- That's so good. I'm not well, that's Battle Hymn of the here, Republic, though. and then it was America the Beautiful, right? Battle Hymn of the Republic. The Glory, yeah, yes. <laughs> the Battle Hymn of the Republic. His battle, uh, yeah. It's pretty that's, great. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't do that. I kind of wanted to do Blue <laughs> Suede Shoes, because again, it's one of his early hits. That's a Carly mm-hmm. Perkins song. Mm-hmm. Everybody was doing Carly Perkins... Uh, I have like three here that I think are no. You know what? I'm gonna choose the one I didn't. I'm gonna go with "Me and Bobby McGee" by Janis Joplin because I think yeah. it's so oh, yeah. fantastic. There's so many in here I could choose, especially yeah. from artists like later in their lives that like move into cover stuff. But I think that it's like so beautiful and so like we didn't have Janis Joplin is one of those artists that we didn't have for long enough. Mm-hmm. She's part mm-hmm. of that uh, Dead at 27 trilogy of mm-hmm. 1971. And uh I just think this is one of her – she did a couple, like, different covers. This weird, like, bluesy, roxy, like, rocky country little thing. And this song is such a great cover of it. And it's really powerful mm-hmm. and it's got everything. It's got, like, the control. It's got the bigger moments. Mm-hmm. Like, a good, like, walk through everything she's capable of. It's a story. It's a movie trailer soundtrack. It's yeah. it's everything you need. It's just of. a great song. It's one of Christopherson's best. It's I mean yeah. the story's beautiful. The tune because he was so good with just a simple tune, a guitar, and a story. And she's yeah. so good with a huge, huge soul. So mm-hmm. to put those together is so fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're gonna be remembered for one song, and there's other songs that you can remember her for, but I think that's kind of you think of that song you think of her you think of her you think of that song and uh uh absolutely love i just love when it's one of the songs if it comes up on a 
playlist, an algorithm puts it in front of me or uh, at my, my oldie station I work at. I don't really control the music for that station. I just kind of get what I get. Uh, mm-hmm. That's one of the ones I stop and listen to. Oh, I like that. Fantastic. Ah, oh, I'm not going to lie, Hal. That's the one that was going to be my next choice, too. Really? Yeah. Oh, I wow. I was going to go in with Bobby McGee, but I'm going to shift gears go with another one. This is not as, I guess this version didn't have as huge or I don't hear it as much now as I hear Mariah Carey's version from 1994. This song's been recorded by 180 artists, but Harry Nilsson's version of Without You recorded 1971, one year after the original with Badfinger mm-hmm. recorded their version, but Harry Nilsson's version. This is the one that Paul McCartney said was the killer song of all time. Mm-hmm. Harry added the, or Harry's producers added the orchestration and made this song an epic, monstrous piece of art that mm-hmm. made 180 different artists want to record it. It has a very tragic ending that it led to the tragic ends of the two people who wrote it. Mm-hmm in a fight over the rights for it, which is a very sad story, but it doesn't take away from the fact that it's such a beautiful tune. Yeah. It's a great choice. It's a contender. It's a contender here for number one. And yeah. there's this, uh, there's this guy I know I play Fortnite with a lot and he's always peddling me Harry Nilsson songs. He's like, you got to oh, try yeah. this one. You got to play this one. And, and I love Harry Nilsson stuff. And I've like, yeah, yeah I've, li- I've listened to most of them, but recently I've listened to this one again at his suggestion. And I just had kind of was floored. Like, Man, yeah. you just forget the oomph, the power, the 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 soul behind this song. Yeah. And yeah, there's there you could do a rock and roll documentary just on this song, probably, if there yeah. isn't one already. And his voice is just a monster on this song. Absolute monster. I can't hit them notes. I can only I, I, three I, I, octave I, range from Ken <laughs> Plume jumps in. Yeah. Three I octaves. Was waiting. I was waiting to see the chat window light up with something <laughs> about Harry Nilsson. Yeah. There's going to be some fact either correcting you or adding something in. And there we got it. I feel like I, my bingo card is full, as is my heart. And I also have to be honest about this one. This is not a version of this song that was on my radar before. But I was hip to me by a couple of musician friends of mine when I mentioned that we were doing this episode. And then I did a deep dive. I said... Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about what the greatest cover tunes of all time are. And both of them simultaneously, both rock musicians went, oh, Harry Nilsson's without you. Was it yeah. Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr? Were you hanging out with them? I was hanging out with McCartney <laughs> and Ringo Starr. He went, he went, it's a killer song of all time. Were you hanging out with the Smothers Brothers? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just did a deep dive into this song and the the story behind it and the mm-hmm. And there's also the really funny version, if you've never heard the American Idol audition for it, uh, somebody doing this song. Uh, but that's not the best cover version. That's, uh, that's, that's uh, not as good as, uh, Harry Nelson's version. But yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful song. Love it. All right. Final round. And Final I round. I have an idea of, of how to make the decision afterwards. Well, but mm. we'll get to that. Oh, First, this we is another round coming in. And that sockets to you. All right. Here's the thing. I have a reputation of being the nineties guy because, uh, you know, everyone knows I was a rock and roll DJ man. I love my nineties rock, but I try to move past it. And I've got some choices on here from other eras, but I'm realizing now, I think I just submitted mostly things to the mid nineties, but it's, it's, it, I, I try to, I try, I try, I promise. But mm-hmm. my number one choice is a cover. You could almost argue technically a cover of a 
cover uh, because the 1991 version by John Cale was was kind of the the, the inspiration for this version. But it it went back to a, a legendary version first released in 1984. It is Jeff Buckley's version of Hallelujah, perhaps yeah. one of the most covered songs in the world. This we know there is a doc based around this song. It's mostly about the life and times of Leonard Cohen, but it is about the journey of the song. There's also a book that I can't get a hold of right now that's about Leonard Cohen and Jeff Buckley. But Jeff Buckley, talk about taken too soon um, yeah. around that uh, tragic age, uh, mid-90s. He, he drowns in the Mississippi River, uh, son of uh, Tim Buckley. And Last Goodbye, which is is other other song of this album, I is my favorite song of the 90s. And I think it's one of the one of the best songs uh, out there in terms of like a radio hit that crosses a lot of genres and a lot of different kind of there's there's heavy metal fans. I know who are like, oh, man, uh, last goodbye song I cry at. But Hallelujah put him on the map. It's a breathtaking six and a half minutes. And at the same time, it, it's not fair to say to John Cale's version or Jeff Buckley's version made Leonard Cohen. Leonard Cohen's a, a legend on his own. But without yeah. a doubt. Not a lot of people in the 80s were were singing Leonard Cohen's <laughs> Hallelujah. It wasn't talked about until Jeff Buckley shows up and takes Kale's version, kind of makes that his own, uh, highlights his heartbreaking, sad, tragic voice, turns this story, uh, this song into this tale of desire and the crisis of faith and all the things that make good songs. And I think it, it, there's such a story behind it going both directions from Cohen trying to has like what 180 different versions of it changed the yeah. lyrics even even up to late in his life on stage would would add lyrics change lyrics he had kind of a non-sexual version he had a very sexual version it's, it's king david it's not it's solomon it's all these things but buckley put his stamp on it in, in, in a way that that to me is a generational stamp that's why i go with hallelujah by jeff buckley i think it is it is a it is perfect it's a perfect song and yeah. i think from the very beginning it invites you in that you're going to be listening to something special just with that breath yeah, yeah. that precedes the rest of the song. You just hear, mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. and yeah. And Leonard Cohen's amazing. And yeah. 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 And I highly recommend people check out the doc. It came out uh, uh, 2022, I believe. Um, you can just look it up. Uh, Leonard Cohen, Jeff Buckley, hallelujah, whatever. It's not just about Buckley's version, but uh, it's about the yeah. song and, and Cohen's career. But yeah, you're absolutely right. That breath just tells you, Something special's coming. Yeah. When you first uh, threw mm-hmm. this idea, out there, or when Yuri Kelman first uh, threw this idea of best cover song, and you mentioned it the other day, how the image that popped into my head first is that album cover of Jeff Buckley mm-hmm. holding mm-hmm. the microphone on stage, leaning mm-hmm. back, looking down. When you said best cover, that was instantly the image that popped wow. in my head. Yeah. It's a fa- yeah, it's a fa- I mean, even him getting discovered, he was doing these shows and people were like, yeah, Tim Buckley's kid sings. <laughs> it's just this like yeah, folk guy. No one really knows his kid yeah. sings. And then you go and hear him sing and you're like, what the bleep? Like it's yeah. heartbreaking voice. It's amazing. That's yeah. oh, a great choice. All right, Hal, what's your final uh, choice? I got a couple here and I, I have like four contenders. One that I wanted to do that I think thought was clever. was the Beatles version of, I want to be your man, which they wrote, <laughs> gave to the Rolling Stones. Yeah. And the Rolling mm-hmm. Stones were like, what if this was the slowest song you've ever heard that to the point that you'll think that your record player kids, that's what they were using at the time. <laughs> like somebody had switched it. Somebody had switched the speed on you. And so the Beatles covered like, Oh, we've been on, on uh methamphetamines uh, for, <laughs> for basically four years. We're going to do a really fast version. Their version of it is far superior to the Rolling Stones yeah. and they wrote the song. So why not? But I'm not going to choose that. 
Oh, could you imagine? That's like nowadays, like Taylor Swift writes a song, gives it to Billie Eilish. She does a version with her brother. And then mm-hmm. Taylor's like, well, let, let me snap. Let me tell you how I how I would have done my song. Exactly. Yeah. So rude. But they were the Beatles. Yeah. Man, yeah. I something I there's like one song that we haven't even mentioned yet. Mm. And I I'm wondering if I pick something else, if Mark is going to pick that one. Or if uh, Mark has I, something else selected. I'm I well you there's only one way to find out. There's only how. one way to find out. I love this high wire act. This is great. I can't take the chance that it won't make it on here mm. because it is again. A great artist covering a great artist. This is two-thirds of the Dead at 27 and 1971 trio. Mm. It is All Along the Watchtower by Jimi Hendrix. It is the definitive version of that song, which is a Dylan song that he takes and just completely owns. So it's become like one of that and Fortunate Son have become like the two songs that say we're in Vietnam in a movie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) In a movie, you're so right. (laughs) (laughs) but again like anything with Jimi hendrix is going to be great because his voice is so unique and then the guitar he's always like doing a duet with his guitar yeah and he's got a great band with him as well his bass player and his and his drummer are both fantastic also it's just this big full sound it's uniquely Jimi hendrix to the point where you go like surely nobody else has done this song like this is his he created it but of course, it is a Bob Dylan song, and uh, not anymore, though. It is a Jimi Hendrix song now. It is all along the Watchtower. And that's a crazy statement to make, right? We're talking about Dylan here, mm-hmm. but you're right. That's 100% the truth. It is, yeah. It's Jimmy's song. And I'm sure Dylan would probably, or maybe at some point has said that. It's amazing. God, I love it. <laughs> I'm yeah. dying. I'm, you're so right about the Vietnam. Every, yeah, Vietnam <laughs> like, you can't hear this song without a helicopter sound effect also playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Fortunate Son is like, we're arriving in Vietnam. And we're like, dude, like, come on, yes. let's load up these helicars. And then they, yeah, they yep. I don't know why I said helicars. This is not, Helicar- uh, sure. Uh, Whirlybirds? Yeah. Yeah. So these Whirlybirds, get the Whirlybird in. We're going to, we're going to drop, uh, uh, potins on the chopper down. Yep. And yep. they, they yep. go. But then when you're in, when you're down there in the swamp, that's when you hear that. And for what it's <laughs> worth, that's the third. Those are the three you were in <laughs> Vietnam. Um, yeah. That's when that's when you you fade out to uh, you know when, when the soldier comes home. Is, is yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like it's real quiet. Yeah. <laughs> you know what, Hal? It's yeah. interesting that you pick that song mm-hmm. as your final choice. Wondering if I was going to pick that song because you are half right. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was going to pick Jimi Hendrix for my last song, and I'm still going to pick Jimi Hendrix for my last song. You know where I'm going with this. According to Paul Grimstad in the New Yorker magazine, it is both a protest of the violence of a wholly unnecessary war and an affirmation of aspects of the American experiment worth fighting for. That is, of course, Jimi Hendrix's national anthem at Woodstock. Performed live. That's my final, uh, mm-hmm. final contribution to this, which is not on our list. I realize I love it, but I wanted to throw that out there because I think it was a seminal moment in American music. And, um, until Whitney also covered that, the best version of that song <laughs> done wow. live. 
This is a, a great choice. This is a wild card choice. And I think we're leaving one amazing one on the table. That's that, uh, but the, the, for this, is it, wait, are you talking about Johnny Cash's version of Hurt? Yeah. You're going to say, yeah, yeah. I great. almost went with it. It was that I, I had I Love Rock and Roll by Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, which mm. like who would think that that was a cover? Yeah. That's so her. And then, and then the Fuji's version of Killing Me Softly was, was the other one I had. Like, also great. Look at there that. Because. Lauren Hill's just so incredible. Yeah. Like yeah. if you haven't listened to the entirety of the miseducation of Lauren Hill, you should drop everything yeah. you're doing and Talk about listen it. to it. Well, keep listening to this. Mm-hmm. I mean, drop mm-hmm. everything but this. Try and listen to it at the same time. Ooh. <laughs> I love though that we, we, we have Hendrix covering Francis Scott Key and John Stafford Smith. Uh, what, what a cover. Yeah. What a cover. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, really fantastic. He, he had a deep bag. Yeah, he oh yeah. To go deep into his bag. So here's the idea that I have. Mm-hmm. Rather than sit here and eliminate songs one by one, which I think would be mm-hmm. a little tedious. Yeah. What if we've already made a difficult choice trying to pick from a larger list to even get it down to 15? Mm-hmm. What I propose is that we each pick one finalist off of this list, and then we decide between those three. Can I add something to that? Yes. Mm-hmm. We each pick – we can either do one or two, meaning uh, we each pick one that was not one of our choices. Mm. Well, I think the reason I, I'm thinking like you might pick something that you didn't suggest. The whole mm-hmm. list is available to you. It doesn't have to okay. be one that you brought in. Okay. As long as, as long as I have the whole list available to me. You have the whole list available to this you. This is exciting. Ken Napzok, mm. choose one song from the 15. I'm going to go through the list for the audience just so they can uh, okay. quickly okay. have it in their heads. We have Natalie Imbruglia's version of Torn. We have Elvis Costello and the Attractions version of What's So Funny About Peace, Love, and Understanding. Sinead O'Connor's Nothing Compares to You, Respect by Aretha Franklin. The Whitney Houston version of I Will Always Love You. Devo's version of Satisfaction. The I Will Survive cover by Cake. Walk This Way from Run DMC and Aerosmith. Tina Turner's Proud Mary. Bjork's cover of It's Oh So Quiet. Janis Joplin's Me and Bobby McGee, Harry Nilsson's version of Without You, Jeff Buckley's version of Hallelujah, Jimi Hendrix double billing for All Along the Watchtower, and the Star Spangled Banner. <laughs> Ken, it is to you to pick one of these one. to be Look, a final finalist. I came in ready to die for my number one choice, which is Hallelujah by Jeff Buckley, but I got to be honest with you. Uh, after hearing all the cases made, there's some some choices here that I would say you can technically say that's the best cover of all time, not by sales or everything, but by legacy mm-hmm. and everything. But but there's something you said, Mark, about one of your choices that made me and Hallelujah falls in that category. But it makes me think about this song, how you hear it, and and there's so many people, maybe myself included, at a karaoke bar that thinks, oh, I can do that. I want to do that because that song's amazing. But the truth is, you can't. And that is Harry Nelson's Without You. I think yeah. that oh. just blows the roof off of so many hearts and souls. And then again, not that I'm thinking I have a three octave range, but I was like, oh, it's such a beautiful song. I want to be part of that. I want to, I want to sing that. And, and there's so many artists that have, that have tried and probably have had great versions. Let's not take away from anyone else's talent, but I just think you hear that. It's so him. It's so of that era, but it transcends it. And then if you forget about it, like I did recently and revisited it, like, yeah, 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 that's right. Nilsson's without you. Holy, bleep, your your heart breaks all over and, and you're moved in so many ways. I'm going to force myself to go outside my own box and choose without you. All right. Fantastic. What you got, Hal? They're so I, these are all fantastic. Yeah. And I I keep thinking about cultural importance. and. 
you know, there are some here where they feel like I would put It's Also Quiet by Bjork, which I love in the same bucket as The Man Who Sold the World cover by Nirvana, which I also love, where it feels like, oh, this is something that they did that is really, really good, but Mm -hmm. it's maybe not their, it's not their sign, that's not Bjork's signature song. It is, it is a great cover. Fantastic, fantastic cover. Uh, so I'm gonna go with, I'm gonna go off my own list as well. And there's so many great ones here. I'm gonna go with What's So Funny About Peace, Love, and Understanding by Elvis Costello and the Attractions. Wild card. Love that. Dig it. Because it's at that nexus of that, like, late 70s music. And you would think, like, I would not have thought it was a cover. I only know his version of it. Mm -hmm. Like, that's Mm -hmm. the version Mm -hmm. that I know. And that, I think, makes it, again, he's someone else with a ton of hits, but this one feels like a big one for him. Yeah. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to be the one jerk that sticks with his own list. (laughs) I'm looking and I'm going, I think that there are a lot of different versions of artists taking a song and making it their personal song. So in that regard, just so that we have a representative of that on this, I'm going with Aretha Franklin's respect. Mm, yeah, because I was looking at Aretha Franklin. I'm looking at Tina Turner. I'm looking at Sinead O'Connor. Those were my three that I was looking. I was like, mm, uh, mm. I think I have to go with Aretha for that. So our three finalists that we are looking at. Aretha Franklin's respect. Elvis Costello's What's So Funny About Peace, Love and Understanding and Harry Nilsson's Without You. Do we see a clear victor in this list? I, I just love that. Elvis Costello and the attractions are like the 1997 Florida Marlins, just like they show up there. You know, no one's expecting this wild card. <laughs> Jim Leland's smoking in the dugout and hoping that they get the win. This is wonderful. They're all on steroids. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, God. How do you do this? How do you all do this on know. your show? I got to tell you, I think I see one of these three that is the winner. And I'll tell you why I think that's the case. And obviously nobody has to agree with me. Mm -hmm. But I think the fact that this song went from being a song by a man to a song that became an anthem for a woman took it to Mm -hmm. a completely different level. It became a song of empowerment for women, for anybody, but particularly to have aretha franklin especially like in that age to have a black woman singing respect to like the entire world is a huge deal and i just uh i would feel weird i i i feel weird not picking that one for me personally looking at it i'm like oh yeah that's the one it feels like it stands out among the three that's my first instinct but again open to whatever everybody else has to say I'll say this. I think you're right in a way. I think if we're going to put five songs on a MP3 player and put it in a capsule and send it to space and hope that the Martians find it. And this is, these are five songs that represent us. I think respects in that, (laughs) you know, we want this song to be recorded forever and all time. It is a hall of fame song that Otis Redding wrote, of course, but it's hers. And you're right. The cultural significance is important. You have to factor that in. It's just, yeah, for me, that's what I'm saying. It's, I think, technically of this list, it's the best, but it's also maybe emotionally and spiritually as well. Yeah. I'm, I think both of you put that beautifully and I'm a hundred percent on board. By the way, Ken, are the other four songs on that MP3 player? It's Halloween by the Shags. 
uh, yeah, and, uh, it's uh, it's it's Harry Nelson's put the lime in the coconut song too. I just oh, yeah. Yeah. kids yeah, look up the shags way. on yeah. uh, YouTube and have a lot of fun. Turn the volume all the way up, especially if you're in a library. Yeah. All right, <laughs> people of the world. Rare is it that you get a cover song that becomes a signature song for the artist. Mm-hmm. And we have a ton of examples here. Fortunately, we've been blessed with a ton of great music. And if you haven't heard some of these songs, please go give them a listen. I will post the entire list in the notes to this episode. So you can just look up like, hey, here are all the different songs that they mentioned. So I'm going to listen to some that maybe I haven't heard or revisit ones that I really like. But this song that is the winner is special because it also teaches you how to spell a word. So it's educational on top of everything. It is Aretha Franklin's version of Respect, and it is the best cover song, Asked and Answered. We did it. We did it, you guys. Did it. This was fun. Ken Napzok, thank you so much for joining us. This was such a delight to have you on here. A lot of fun. Thanks for letting me uh, barf too many words up about songs and music and artists and and the mid-90s and all that stuff. I. I the I look, I'll be honest, the actual choice is Tia Carrere's version of Ballroom Blitz from Wind's World, but yeah, I didn't want <laughs> yes. that out there. Of course it of course is. I, that was on the list and I was so excited it was on the list. <laughs> that it. was when I fell in love with Tia Carrere. Yeah. <laughs> and babysat enough to buy the VHS. Oh I yeah. Not, I will not stand for the sweet erasure. Um <laughs> Ken, what would you like people to go check out? Where do you want them sure. to follow you? Eddie, the floor is yours. Yeah, no, thanks, man. Thanks for thanks, thanks for both of you for, for having me and, and Mr. Ken Plume for bringing me in here, uh, my Fortnite uh, buddy there. Um, you can find me uh, anywhere at Ken Naps. I go to my website, KenNaps.com, uh, Force Center with Joseph Scrimshaw, Jennifer Landis, where I talk right now, not Star Wars, but we talk about other things in life right now, including a lot of music. Uh, and then also, if you, if you do like music, I have a show called Pop Rock and Radio on Mixcloud. Uh, it is a uh, radio show I do. Uh, I wish I could say I could do it every Saturday, but life takes it away from me. But I have a lot of episodes up there. You can listen, take it with you. And it is uh, me being the rock and roll DJ, man, uh, hopefully uh, sharing the songs that make up the soundtrack of your lives. That's good. I like that. Well, thank you for being here. This topic is closed, but there are many more topics to discuss. So please reach out to us via email at we got this podcast at gmail.com or Go to our Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash we got this podcast. You can share your favorite cover songs with one another. You can get in there, share videos if you're there for the video era. Let's all open each other's minds and ears and hearts up to new music. Thank you to producer Ken Plume, who you can support at patreon.com slash Ken Plume. In addition to supporting this show as a Max Fun member, that all helps Ken. We're just funneling stuff into Ken. We want to get him that Rolls Royce. <laughs> That is shaped like Darth Vader's burning corpse from the end of Return of the Jedi. Thank you to researcher Kate McManus, graphic designer Uri Kelman, who not only made our wonderful logo, but also suggested this topic a long time ago, and QA engineer Jen Alba. And thanks, of course, to our musicians, Jonathan Dinerstein and Mike Furman, for our score and theme song, respectively. You know you two are our favorite musicians, obviously, and the best of all time. And thanks, of course, to you, the people of the world, for giving us a chance to reminisce and think about songs in new ways and learn cool new things about the world and just talk about things that bring us joy. We do it every week because of you and thanks to you. And I can't thank you enough. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For Hal Lublin, I'm Mark Gagliardi. For Mark Gagliardi, I'm Hal Lublin. And don't worry, everybody. We We got got this. this. We got this. Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows supported directly by you.